0: Alright, right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. Jordan's just come back from Adelaide. Apparently, uh, it was a bit disappointing for you.
1: No, it wasn't disappointing for me. It was disappointing how disappointed people that live in Adelaide are by Adelaide.
0: Well, every city except Sydney or Melbourne has has some sort of mentality of like where a shit place. Don't you think it's more pronounced in Adelaide? Even more than a lot of country towns I go to. It's got s- small city syndrome. It's, it's not quite a, as big... A, you know, there's like a... It is the fifth largest city, but it's quite a few rungs below Perth. Yeah, it is, hey. It's a I mean, large it's town. Yeah. Look,
1: all I'm saying is, yes, those criticisms aside... It's actually not a bad place to live. It seems like everybody's kind of relaxed and chilled. There seems to be everything that you need there. I think it's mostly because it's kind of in a crater, which does give it a kind of feeling of just being... It's, it's you know, built in a disaster zone, really. Like, it, surely that was at one point a meteor site. Like, why else are h- the hills around it? You know, and you can see it around everywhere. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. before
0: the dinosaurs even, there was a a big asteroid impact.
1: Yeah. And they decided to build a city there. Good on them. But I think that it kind of adds to the gloominess of it. Because, all right, honestly, every time I go to Canberra, everybody hates Canberra. I, I totally understand the criticism when I'm there. When I'm at Adelaide, it's kind of just like, dude, this is more or less living in, like, I don't know. Ride, northwest Sydney. It's not a terrible existence, bro. Right,
0: that, that's the most Sydney thing to say. Relate the experience of an entire city to a suburb. To a
1: suburb of a city. Well, you're <laughs> a microcosm. Yeah, yeah
0: Everyone's going to gonna know what ride is like.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it could. People in
0: another state. More people may actually know what ride is like than Adelaide, because there'd be enough people Think in Sydney it. to have a vague idea of what ride is like. You, just one suburb in Sydney, a big suburb, to be fair. Not a bad suburb. Not a bad suburb? No. it's On the up. It hasn't been for a while. I just got back from Brisbane. I did a, did a show in Brisbane last night, actually, and had a, a fairly big night for my standards, which is ironic because on this podcast, all I do is say, oh, you know, don't drink. Be disciplined. Be strict. <laughs> but look, you can have two big nights a year when you've achieved something. Mm-hmm. and uh, the Brisbane show was really, really good. I
1: told you, man. sold out. Have I you
0: ever done the sit-down you. comedy club? No. It was great. On a it's Sunday it, night as well.
1: It is. It's just, I'm telling you, it's Brisbane people. It's Brisbane people are great. Yeah, That's what makes yeah, very
0: show. relaxed, very fun. Yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a good vibe in the audience. Mm-hmm. Not, not too many drunk hecklers, but a lot of drunk, rowdy audience members that contributed to the show. Which is great. It was a lot of fun, man. Yeah.
1: That's another thing that you pointed out about Brisbane that's great. It's like, when, when you have a drunk heckler in Sydney that 90% of the time are fuck weird, same as Melbourne, Brisbane, every time, they add to the show. They add bitter jokes. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, got great. a few
0: people up. We got one guy from Ipswich up and um, another guy. Um, both just... You just tell. Quality guys. Mm. So... Mm. Thank you everyone who came out in Brisbane, our next Brisbane show, August 21, ComedyUntamed.com. You get a smorgasbord of all the best comedians in the country and improvisation. No one's doing improv. No one's doing it well, except us. So come along to that.
1: <laughs> hey, was there some local boys there?
0: We mean local? Oh, local like, acts. Local yeah, town, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Every, every city we go to, we have at least one local act.
1: Yeah. And uh, was the local act known or are they an up and coming?
0: Shane Hunter and Bron Lewis, both killers. Really good. I
1: uh, yeah. don't know who they are, but that's not a surprise to me. TikTok is a... I mean, how
0: well-versed well are you in the local Brisbane comedians? Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't <know>. so, <laughs> I, don't I don't know what you were <laughs> expecting, know. man. <laughs> but uh, they were they were great. <laughs> are you coming to our Western Sydney show? Yes. It's this Friday? Well, by the time this podcast goes out, it would have happened.
1: Okay, so. well, I'm not because I'm touring. But when I am, Damn. I'm going to that Western Sydney show because I can't wait. To not sit through an audience with a bunch of people who, uh, with a bunch of comedians who wish they were James A. Caster and a bunch of audience members supporting that fantasy. I want to go to the Western suburbs. I want them to sit there being like, talk about Islanders, You know, like, I want that.
0: Yeah, well, come along, man. Mounties. Yeah. We do regular shows there, so by the time this podcast comes out, there'll be, there'll be some more happening you got shows all over the place as well so go to our respective websites and um today we can talk about some movies yes yes we are We're talk about movies um we're yes. gonna answer that question the philippines one that uh we referenced a couple of weeks ago so we'll get to that and we've got a new sponsor so there's a lot to lot to get through oh yeah got a wonderful we do that new that sponsor. Now yeah we'll do it now You may, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you may see these beautiful shirts that we're wearing. They're from uh, I'm Earthy. Aren't they very... They are very comfortable.
1: Look, and I'm, we aren't just saying that; they are comfortable.
0: I've never had to not tailor a shirt before. This actually just fits really well. So if you're a, a you know a stocky man like myself, the medium, great size. Okay, so <laughs> Earthy is an, uh, an Australian sustainable clothing brand. Their garments are certified organic cotton and certified by the Fair Wear Foundation to be ethically made. Each one is screen printed by hand in South Coast, New South Wales, with unique. Earth-inspired designs using eco-friendly ink. So it's all super ethical. I actually can't even believe how ethical this is. Look, I can't even mention all the ways that this is ethical, but workers are protected from having to use or be exposed to poisonous chemicals. You know, no toxic pesticides or fertilizers are being introduced into the environment. Very happy about that. And the vision for the Earthy brand is not just to sell clothes, but to have a positive impact on the environment and the community. So... Uh, go to imearthy.com, imearthi com i m e a r t h i e com au I should say, and they will do- they usually donate one dollar from each shirt to well, a host of foundations the Australian Conserv- Conservation Foundation and Sea Shepherd Australia, but uh, if you use the code Neil Jordan so that's Neil Jordan without any space uh, you f- you get fifteen percent off and they're going to do- donate five dollars. For each order. So, look, you're supporting the podcast, you're supporting the environment, you're supporting small businesses, small ethical businesses in Australia. au. Honestly, very comfortable shirts. It breathes. Very sexy. Sexy. And there's there's nice a male model, model saying it.
1: it. Can't go wrong with it. The other thing I'll say as well, I've done, obviously, uh, a been, lot of reading into what are the good environmental foundations in this country and bang They've got both of them. Sea Shepherd does invaluable work protecting the oceans, invaluable. And uh, Australian Conservation Foundation—you look at their history; every environmental reform uh, is always linked to the Australian Conservation Foundation, including protecting Antarctica from mining, which is the biggest environmental win the world has ever seen. They're, they're responsible for it.
0: Well, there you go. I'm EarthFeed.com.au. Use the code Neil Jordan. And they're also on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. All right, there you go. And we're also sponsored by Crush Organics. That's Crush with a K. K. I've been a longtime sponsor of this podcast. Go to crushorganics.com. Use the code Neil. You get 40% off. Huge range of CBD oil products. If you're a, if you're a rough sleeper like myself, trust me, this, this will help. It has certainly helped me. So go ahead to crushorganics.com. And they've also got... Uh, Pain cream. They got gummies. They got CBD oil for your pets. You got any CBD oil product your heart desires. CrushOrganics.com. Use the code: Neil. You get forty percent off with that one. All right. It's a good deal. Sponsors out of the way. Do you want to get to the question or get straight into movies? What? How about you introduce the movies thing? What do you? What do you? Because you, before the podcast started, Jordan was like, "What are your favorite movies?" Yep.
1: Yeah, it was pretty early because Miss. Yes. I was on the way over, tested, uh, because he left work early to see this film that he knew he wasn't gonna like, and it was one of the Flight of the Concords boys, and apparently the whole movie is then talking in gibberish and then trying to act out the movie. And Miss was saying, This is gonna be horrible, and so he's just been testing me the whole time with all of these like it's been hilarious, all of these. Uh, negative comments about the film sporadically are pissing him off while he's in the cinema. And I remember thinking, well, that's the story of most movies that I've ever seen in my life, especially the older you get, the higher your bar goes. And then I remember, no, that's right, Top Gun Maverick came out and no one on planet Earth has said a negative thing about it. It's just a sick film.
0: I've heard only glowing reviews about Top Gun you Maverick. I haven't seen it yet, it's, no. Well,
1: see, this is... The fact that you're even getting the, you haven't seen it yet, mm. it's always a good sign.
0: My uh, my parents saw it and they were like, oh, it's just a good classic movie. No agenda.
1: Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, there's clearly an agenda. <laughs>
0: to have no agenda. To have no... No, 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 no. no. The agenda no is like... No cultural agenda. No
1: cultural agenda. Mm. But the... Well, no, there is a bit of a cultural agenda. I hate how everyone's just being like, She's not woke anymore, but it's like... It is woke. It's just we're so used to everything being woke. You know? Because it was actually something Ali noticed when we were in Adelaide. He was like, fuck, dude. Yeah, okay. There used to be a bit of this shit around. But now it's every ad ever. Every single ad is about how this company like really likes gay people. Loves them. Like every single ad. Uh, but yeah, so like in comparison to that, it's less woke. But there is still the things of just like, she's a f- girl and she flies jets, jealous boys. She can, you know, like, ooh, d- is something that someone else said to them sexist or not? Like there's a bit of that. Yeah, but
0: now the, the, having like the badass bitch strong woman stereotype is actually considered sexist if you're really woke. So no, then maybe that? they're being not, non-woke by doing that because it's uh, the male gaze of what a strong woman is like. You know, she's always like, "I don't take shit from a man," and they drink and they drink whiskey and they always beat up men. I mean, the, the thing they whenever they get something. hit on, they like pff, some guy tries to grab their ass and they like put them in an armbar and hey, don't touch me, and make a, makes a joke. It's like a nerd's fantasy of what a like strong woman is, because like, I, I feel like that's the kind <laughs> of woman that a sensitive beta kind of guy would want. <laughs> Like, I don't think a strong man doesn't even want a strong woman. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing
1: is, first of all, those women don't exist. There's like 10 of them on the planet. And the second thing is, those women are going to end up dating like bollackies. They're going to need yeah, something that's exactly. even more masculine than that.
0: Exactly. Are. There's a reason Ronda Rousey uh, dated a, an even bigger, uh, stronger UFC fan. They were colleagues, okay? Didn't want someone that she could choke out in the bedroom. And why would you? It's so like,
1: dude, I see, this is the whole thing, right? Okay, Ronda Rousey exists. That's definitely true. But it's so annoying. I do actually agree with this now that I'm thinking about it. I hate this, like, she's a girl and she can kick ass, the whole thing. Because, yeah, you're right. It's like a caricature of what a woman is. You want a strong female lead, it is the chick from Alien. Sigourney Weaver, that's her name. Sigourney Weaver in Alien, that's what, like, a strong female looks like. It's more just like they're, they're a bit more stoic and they have, like... A little more endurance, and they're a little more cautious. It's yeah, that that caricature is just like it's grating
0: for everyone. I think everyone watches that and is like, "This is cringy." I think boys like it. Really? I think so. Yeah, because I, when I was a boy, I liked. It. I was like, "But well, well, you that's wanted hot. to date that's a fantasy. chick, that, really?" Yeah, because it's I like, the, pic, wanted it's wanted like the pick me thing where oh, oh, I want a chick that like plays video games and and is oh, strong and like yeah. can wrestle with me. <laughs> well, i don't know about the wrestle thing but but that those attributes then you get older and you're like uh no i actually don't want that yeah no nah. it's like dude
1: why, why the fuck would you want to date a chick that's into joe rogan and what he talks about like it, it'd be such a like this weird uh feedback loop for the rest of your life you dating a man you're dating a heterosexual man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird
0: relationship. Yeah. Like... Yeah. I, I don't you'd, know. No, you're not wrong. Yeah. It would be like a... You'd it, be good mates. You'd be good mates. You'd be good... Uh, maybe a It'd be good, good, as, right as, a, it'd good as a fuck buddy. Yeah. Because you'd be great mates. And she'd probably be really hot. Maybe. Maybe. You listen to Joe Rogan. I assume she works out.
1: Yeah, but she probably works out too much. And uses too many supplements. Right, don't you think? Like she'll have a body that's better than yours, and being like, let's fuck. You're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so scary. Once I once I saw a porn with like a bodybuilder in it, their vagina was fucked, like physically and figuratively, because it was a porn. But like the 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 figurative sense of it was just like. That clitoris was turning into a penis because of the steroids. That was definitely what was Ooh. happening there. It was a huge I've never seen a clitoris that size. Like it was it looked like a
0: little dog penis, just the, the pink thing just being like From what I've heard, it's not healthy for women to go under ten percent body fat. It's admirable when the female bodybuilders actually do it, but it will stop their periods and I think there's a range of other Adverse effects. It sounds right. And for a man, even yeah, but look, below ten percent is very, very hard. And you, especially if you're getting into sort of like well, six, what are we? I'm, I don't know, late teens. Late teens, I think. I haven't done the test for a <laughs> while. Okay. You might be a bit less. You're pretty, pretty so, toned man. Okay, right. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, okay so uh yeah i've just really got no idea about percentage of body fat so i'm just trying mm-hmm. to imagine what a woman looks like when they're like six percent body fat
0: so just it's just shred just like it, like shred shredded it. shredded yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. okay so it's, it's very admirable when people do that but like it's actually you're getting to a point where it's pretty unhealthy and very it's it's impressive when you do it for like temporarily but to do that you can't live like that forever you basically have to eat chicken broccoli and work out like incessantly. What a life, eh? It's so all right, Bert, really? Any gym bros in the comments? Uh, let me know if I'm wrong. Gym bros. <laughs> it's maybe it's gross. an excuse. Maybe I'm lazy. <laughs> maybe I can't hit that. Maybe it's a limited relief. 6% body fat, fat is very... Like 10% is good. Is it, Are
1: there people that have like 1% body fat that aren't and Oh, uh, no, or I don't think, have think to so. Be an
0: I think you pretty much... Dead. I mean, maybe the, in, the, in the broad range of human genetics, there'd be someone who could Some manage it, but it. I yeah. don't. I don't think so. I don't know. Has there ever been someone who's got one one percent body fat? I doubt that. Okay, okay. I, think it, I think there's people who've gone to like five in four, and I think the the professional bodybuilders do get into like definitely like low single digits, but I don't think it's. I don't, I don't know. I actually don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> maybe <I'm> talking <laughs> like an expert yeah. but anyway it's uncharted like territory yeah um,
1: yeah I don't know like it was just because I went and saw Top Gun and like what they were saying yes look the agenda was there and the agenda was hilarious it was um, which made the movie better in my view anyway it made it better in everyone's view but it was just you know Tom Cruise, your mission, should you choose to accept it, this country is developing nuclear weapons to prevent the exact air raids we're about to bestow on this country for developing nuclear weapons. And if they do develop those nuclear weapons, then we won't be able to bully them in the World Trade Organization anymore and make them shit, sign shit deals for their own country. You must take out their nuclear silos. And so, obviously, Tom Cruise goes, you know, it's... it's I'm, 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 You're not even spoiling it. Like, he doesn't mission an accomplished... W- wave the American flag at the end how sick is the American military machine that was the agenda and but at the end of the day, this is how you know that it works because much like good Soviet movies and good Nazi movies at the end,
0: you're cheering for the US military industrial complex. It's amazing. Yeah, because there's also a nostalgia. You're like, I want this industrial complex subtle, well, not even subtle, like overt messaging back because it's what I grew up with. It's what I'm comfortable with. Yes, that that felt good. Yeah, I want someone to either be like destroying Soviets or or terrorists and have a big American flag at the end and to feel like I can pull myself up from my bootstraps and... (laughs) Achieve anything, that's what I want in a movie. I don't want to feel like shit, no, and shamed endlessly, shamed
1: instead of just having Tom Cruise kicking ass and being endlessly optimistic. And this is the other thing that I remember as well. It was just like, Yeah, who are the villains? What's the country? The villains are the enemy, okay. And as Ben Shapiro was saying, it's like it's obviously Iran, but it's like. It's Iran in the American paranoid fantasy of the Pentagon of what Iran is. Because it's just like, there's no way you have Gen 5 fighter
0: jets if you're from Iran. Right. You know, Tom Cruise. Because they've always toyed with putting on, like, excessive sanctions and almost going to war with Iran, haven't they? The war. Always. Always. It's the incessant boogeyman in their
1: mind. So that was clearly who they were thinking about in this. And... It was just, yeah, it was another one of those things where it was just like, look, there is no situation in history where Tom Cruise has been in an inferior jet as an American jet fighter in a dogfight with other jets that are like two generations better than his jet. It's just never happened. Like the, 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 the Americans have always been the ones with the black mask that you can't see their face so you don't feel bad when they get blown up, you know, like that, that's, that's always been the ones. So, but, it, like, aside from all of that, it was an incredible film. Incredible film. I liked the... As you were saying, I liked the fact that it was. And, um, obviously, it's Tom Cruise, who's... Ageless. Ageless. The the most
0: awesome human being that's ever lived. The original short King. The original short King.
1: Well, no, Napoleon, and then him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but was not... Napoleon
0: actually that short for the time?
1: I not know, for there the time. I know he
0: was short. Like, people commented on how short he was so maybe i guess for the time very short then must have been because back then everyone was like five eight (laughs) yeah (laughs) one day yes so yeah i'm shorter than that but (laughs) (laughs) but like short yeah he was short for the time yeah well they they named a complex after
1: after him. yeah true I I don't know, man. Like, it was just... It was a good... And there was one thing that I very much noticed about it at the end, which was it's much like... I've just been... Even when I go back and watch The Simpsons now, when I'm thinking about doing a stand-up show, it's something that I think happens when you're in your 30s. You start thinking about... Originally, when I did a show, I wanted the entire thing to just be like, laugh, 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 laugh the whole time. But then I realised after a while, it actually is a bit one note. You do want bits where it's like a, a little bit scary, like a little bit challenging, a little bit, you know, sad. Are we talking? About, are you talking about a one-hour comedy show? Even in a comedy show, that's what I think. I think the the fact that you have layers of different emotions in it yeah. makes the jokes hit harder. It can't, like, it can all just be one joke the whole time, but it is, by definition, one note. And I don't think the audience gets as much out of it. And I think that this is what was happening with Top Gun. It's like, okay, and, and this is what I'm talking about. Like, I'm talking about, like, little you know sprinkles here and there it's the same thing with the simpsons it's overall mostly funny but there are moments where you feel sorry for march you know or there are moments where you're kind of like sympathizing for with homer or in something the early seasons yeah well the early seasons was too much
0: in my opinion i think the,
1: very dramatic yeah crying by the end of it it was dark dark episodes mm. really dark from seasons one to three
0: they hit the tone right from three to nine yeah and then after that ooh. And then they did not (laughs) Should have stopped Should have stopped I've heard the late 20s uh, Sort of brought it back But it's too far gone now
1: Yeah and I think that that's just Gen Z being optimistic And not watching the old episodes enough I honestly think Like I went and watched it And I was just like This is not bringing it back
0: But by comparison Compared to season I don't know 16, 17 I'm sure season 27 Is slightly better It was not hard Yeah
1: Uh, Yeah exactly Not hard
0: but the, the South Park, the new episodes on Paramount Plus suck as well. Oh, so
1: it's—is that its new home? Is it?
0: Yeah, I don't know. They wanted to go on a streaming service or something, and they've had to sort of extend their operations and bring in new writers and things like that. And as a result, they've lost the edge that they've known that they've been known for. Really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
1: I mean, look the uh, the operation has evolved. I was always of the opinion that it was a
0: lot better when it was just
1: juvenile, just calling each other faggot and fat. I thought that was like the pinnacle of South Park.
0: I think it was, it was nothing else. It was good in the in sort of twenty fifteen to twenty nineteen, where it was one of the first shows to sort of really excoriate the you know emerging woke culture. Uh, but now everyone's that. yeah. I mean, they've always done it. But yeah. they really went hard at it, then that, that the, the, the sort of newer conception of it, they they targeted it quite effectively. But yeah. then I feel like it became the really recent ones haven't haven't really um, been as entertaining for mine. But maybe that's just me.
1: Yeah, and it's a bit. You know what I think has honestly happened to that, and just happened to everything in comedy. we you know, you just never shut up about it. But I think the thing is. They pointed out, this is what's really freaking me out about this, they pointed out that you can't say anything anymore. That became the new goalpost. And then after a while you kind of just get beaten down and then you can't say anything anymore.
0: Yeah, well, you just become angry. So then when you just... You say things with a reactionary sentiment rather than a a sentiment of humour. And that's never going to be as funny. Never
1: going to be as funny. Because you're not... Outright, actually saying anything on PT, you're not. You're just saying that you can't say anything on PC. Yeah,
0: you're just being an iconoclast, and you need a bit of that.
1: You need a bit of that, but it was just annoying because it kind of just became this self feeding thing that you couldn't really mm. like. They actually did win. Like you can't escape it, and I think that like even when you see Ricky Gervais, and it's just like, whoa, he's not afraid to say anything and all that kind of stuff. It was like, well, it's yeah, not, he's it's afraid not hard. to say a lot.
0: Yeah, but it's not hard to do that. It's hard. it's easy to just go out there and say what you're not supposed to say. It's hard to actually make it funny.
1: Hard to make it actually funny, but this is the other thing. I think that the whole time he was just sitting there, it was kind of like, again, he was just justifying why he should be saying it in the first place, when I honestly think that the thing is to just say it. like Yeah. That, so it has that other layer to it, which is just always dragging on it all the time, and that's obviously what's... I, I think that that's definitely happened to South Park. You know what was really obvious? I went back and watched this show called Beauty and the Beast that was on, like, when we were... I don't know,
0: Teams Related to the the Disney film? No,
1: it was not that. It was a show. It was so good. It started in the 50s in Australia and it was a talk show panel on at 1pm and it was just some fat shock jock. His name is Stan Zermattic. He's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I know. You know? He was sitting there and then there's just four people, including Lisa Wilkinson, which is the weirdest trip. Like, you go back and watch it and she and then she's just he's sitting there like at 1 p.m. in the in the afternoon just being like yeah so let's just go around the panel here and we've got uh, ida here how are you going you big leisure oh, how are you yeah you like that don't you okay and then we've got this one here yeah, she's not wearing a bra again you burned it again did you look at those big jiggly girls and then the chick just be like yeah and like jiggling them around and then like at another point she was just like fuck? it was so weird and then one of the chicks was just like look i just go great my friends all the time and like if they don't like it tough luck and then a Chick on TV, 1 p.m. just grabs another chick's tits, just grabs it, just gives it a nice squeeze, and she's just like, ah! she's like yeah Anyway, let's go to the break. Like, it was just so much better. It
0: was just endless. What the fuck? It was
1: amazing! 1 pm, it was the best TV I've well, seen. Wasn't,
0: it wasn't that long ago when Jerry Springer was one of the biggest shows during the day in America. And, and it that was, was amazing. Insane. Random audience members just these rednecks in America, like, I don't like the way you say that. And then at the end of whatever they said, just would flash their tits for no reason.
1: It has, like, that's a, just, a big yeah, finger. It's like, a, just some kind of... Just,
0: just, yeah. yeah, it was just because I think that was the authority of the time. The kind of... Be, the, the Puritanism was more still from the religious right. And so they were maybe just like, oh, I'm not supposed... I'm not allowed to do this. So fuck it. But I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to get their tits out. You know what show sure, I've been uh rewatching now it's actually i've been watching 7 plus why cuz it's free <laughs> and there's some good shows on there yeah yeah you got you got all the ads and things cuz like, I, I you know i was always like oh, mainstream media sucks now i think the internet's just becoming the, the mainstream anyway and you kind of like look back fondly when i look you know sometimes i'll just turn on 7 9 or 10 randomly and i'm just like ah oh, this was a nicer time it wasn't nice. To yeah, find. it really was. It was. It's dumb, but I, I've been watching. Uh, cold Case, which not it's not even an, it's not an Australian show, obviously, but the it's one of the crime shows of the two thousands, and it was all about cold cases in Philadelphia that are reopened and solved. It's so cathartic because they will flash back to when the murder happened and the and the actors playing. Those characters, and then sort of, mm. it would just slowly fade back into mm. the new character, smiling after the case has been solved, and the detective with a, just a look of achievement. It's very cathartic. I love that show. America's Most Wanted, memory kind of stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. God. It's so sad.
1: Like, see, this is the whole other thing that you're noticing. And it's the same thing with with Top Gun. It's like, look, it's a huge nostalgia hit, and that's what they've realised. Like, that's the state we are in now because media is just so referential that the thing that sells things now is nostalgia mm. and that's exactly the thing that you're describing same thing that i'm describing with beauty and the beast because it was just amazing having lisa wilkinson sit there and like some like just stare to Marnie, just be like you're a fibonacci shut the fuck up like just just being like just just paying her out and her sitting there being like oh shut up stay just these like Ghoulish women being like <laughs> the whole time. And now you go and look at panel talk shows. There's just a bunch <laughs> of cucks being fucking terrified to say anything. It's so painful to watch. It's like cringy to watch the project. Cringy. And this show <laughs> on at like one PM was just like infinitely better and you just remember like oh people used to talk like this and it was normal and they'd just be paying out lesbians and the lesbians would be dishing it back and you'd be paying out a transsexual on the on the audience and then the transsexual would just be like yeah yeah you'd like to shake my cock wouldn't you like it was mad it was so good it was just like the this way people should talk <laughs> you know it was just endless comical digs at one another sounds quite excessive for 1 p.m., though. Doesn't it? I don't know if I want to see that. I know, I
0: know. How did they get away with that at 1 p.m., someone grabbing someone I just think that, like, that's...
1: I think that's what society... This is the thing. Like, now, like, everything's just being filtered through this. Like, you, you have to say it all the time. You would know this feeling. You're constantly thinking, like, can I get away with that? Am I allowed to say yeah, that? No. Like, you it just... It didn't exist. That filter did not exist, and it
0: was better for it. The world was more fun. Maybe Top Gun had a bit of... I don't know, maybe some movies and...
1: No, no, Top Gun maybe. was just... This is just a normal Hollywood film, which is so unusual now, clearly. yeah. This is, uh, this is the whole thing. I was trying to think back to any movie that I've enjoyed in the last decade, and there is... Bugger
0: all. Really,
1: very few. Every single movie I go to. Yeah, like I mean, I don't. But the reason I don't is because most of them are terrible. I honestly think that's why. Because look, you go back and you look at any film from the nineties. Because this is the thing, right? Like after you, after you're on tour, you go back, Netflix and chill, or whatever. You just watch mindless television or something go up you look at any new release you look at anything that was made in the last 10 years it was just this endless thing of just like remember charlie's angels we've ruined it like it's just that and then you look at anything that was made in the 90s or the 2000s and you go back and watch it and it's just like way more of a quality film even if it's a crap film hmm Same thing with Rambo. Rambo was made in the 70s. It was supposed to be a blockbuster. It's way deeper than anything made recently.
0: Okay, so a lot of people, you know, a lot of podcasters, a lot of comedians, a lot of male comedians will go on and say these sorts of things and have these complaints about the state of art, the state of just the world, of culture. And, you know, we do that. A lot of people do that. What can we do? How do we fix this? Because to me, I think it's just a combination of like capitalistic big tech influencers that are just trying to keep as many eyeballs hooked on whatever site they have at the time. And as a result, you get a lot of this fast food content. And look, I'd be lying if I said I haven't sort of bought into that a little bit because, you know, I want to maintain relevancy and and continue doing live shows and be a comedian. Uh, It's virtually impossible not to. But how do you actually foster a a, a culture or just an art World where you can create the substantive, complex, good movies again. What? How do we actually, How do you do that? It's not. It's not profitable anymore when you know you can. The, the, there's I mean, the streaming wars, and you'd rather make a, like a long series that appeals to a niche audience that has thirty episodes that keep people glued on Netflix or Paramount or whatever it is. And there's just so many other incentives rather than making a really nice film, don't you think? I think it's an ideology yeah
1: because I mean look people are going to Top Gun that I know two or three times so when I mean, they're always saying that cinema is dead it they killed it it's just because they're making terrible films now with all these like cringy social messages that no one wants Damn. and there's so like do you
0: think it's ideology and I'm like no it's the system man
1: Isn't that amazing? (laughs) What a weird change! My
0: first time ever. (laughs) I mean, look. I think the system created
1: the ideology. Let's put it that way. But yeah, no. I'm really of the opinion that they've just got this like weird blinker on of just like wanting things that no one wants. I I really don't think, and it's obvious in it. Like you know, like we we tried to watch the new Charlie's Angels once when I was in Melbourne. I, I couldn't go through all of it. We had to fast forward bits because it was Jesus. that uncomfortable. Was it, that bad? it was that bad. Damn. And then, you know, like we went and saw it and I thought, surely this is going to be popular with someone. No, it was a massive flop. It got like terrible
0: reviews apart from the usual. Well, I'm so out of the film world now. I still want to make short films, but I don't watch feature films anymore. All I know is the big Marvel type movies still go really well because they people in China want to watch it and people love Chris Hemsworth is a beautiful man. Uh, <laughs> and there's great stories about superheroes and it's escapism and it's an experience. You go to a cinema, and you can view that on a massive screen and actually enjoy an action flick like that. So those are still somewhat profitable. But other than that, the, 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 the culture of cinema has died because people don't, first of all, no, there's so many other alternatives one, people have just better technology at their, in their house to the point where it's not that much better to go to a cinema, especially when you're paying an exorbitant amount of money to just see one film, when you can literally get a streaming service subscription for probably the same cost per month that you can to see one film. True. And you could then invest in a pretty decent home theatre system if you're even just middle class and have an experience just like going to the cinema without having to leave your house. Mm. So there's that. No, there's definitely that.
1: But the thing is that, yeah, they're still paying for that content. Where's the good content? It's, it really can't be that hard to make that good of a content because like you go back and you watch content from back in the day and it was just objectively better. The shows were better. The comedies were better. Any, any Even reality shows were better. It's just everything is just very, very safe or very offensive in the other way around. Like, it's like the, the things that they think were offensive back in the 90s have actually just full gone the other way and actually made it, like, really just, like, you just like, that was unnecessary. You know what I mean? Like, constantly. Um hmm. So it's just like I was thinking about it and look this this is uh, to to go even more podcasty. you know how they're always just being like films made for men and men just nothing about men talk about men 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 right you go back and you look at it and you just think like really okay there's action films which again as I pointed out I honestly think chicks have ruined it by just being like yeah I can kick ass too go away just let us have this fuck Anyway, <laughs> uh, but the other one is like, uh, like do you, you, you think of, when I think about the movies that hit me as a dude, right? There's like three dude movies in all of filmic history. There's like 14-year-old kid movies, which were like your teen movies, like American Pie and things. But, like, as an adult, as a, as a man living in quiet desperation of modernity, there is Office Space, there is The See Matrix, and there is Fight Club. And that's it. There's three. I haven't seen Office Space. What's that about? It's pretty much Fight
0: Club, but a comedy. Okay. Sounds good. It's amazing. Psychological thrillers really get to... I think what you have with Fight Club... Uh, and, sorry, and, okay maybe not so much The Matrix, but definitely with Flight Club, it's, it's written for what you were saying, a man living in quiet desperation of modernity. It's, it's, it is a fantasy for those men. Yes. But also, this is the other thing, the depth of it,
1: when you watch it, you realise, yeah, okay, there's, there's men that literally have that life, but even as a man that doesn't have that life, it still hits. Still, something that really like smacks you at your core, where you think, "Fuck, we are domesticated," you know, like th- that doesn't exist anymore. In fact, if there was just that one film, then it went. But that's what I'm saying. It's like I think I'm trying to think of the films, and I want you guys in the comments to put it at the bottom: films that kind of just like I'm just into it now. I'm just into something just hitting you on a deep level where you think, "Okay, it was there was there was some." hard truth to that
0: and there's so few yeah I, I, I can't even think of the last time I've had that you had it with stronger reaction the first time I watched it yeah yeah um, The Matrix I, I, I wouldn't say it's in my top few it's a good film it's not in my top either but I think
1: that when you watch it it's undeniably awesome And which is again so annoying about mm. the fourth one just
0: completely ruining it I mean the second and third ruined it enough but anyway I loved the Star Wars films when I was a kid yeah and I've rewatched a few of them now and I th- I just, it just doesn't appeal to me in the same way. No. Uh, I, I went on a bit, a couple of weeks ago, actually. I was trying to watch as many of the films in the top 100 IMDb list as possible. Oh, yeah. And um, some were good. I watched a few with uh, sort of early Russell Crowe films. That was LA Confidential. That was a really good one. Okay. And I liked that a lot. Okay. And that sort of grapples with different identities. And, you know, like, I guess male identities, if you will. Uh, and there was another one I watched with a young Russell Crowe I'm trying to remember what it was mind blanking on that one I watched um, Chinatown with uh, Jack Nicholson have you ever seen that?
1: well that's incredible and that's one that definitely deserves to be on the list it's a good one if you haven't seen Chinatown you
0: have to see it there's a reason he's one of the most famous actors of all time His, his charisma is it's undeniable yeah, he's got this really weird thing yeah. of just being like He's got that kind of gruff, charismatic appeal.
1: It's yeah. beautiful. Dangerous but drawing at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chinatown is incredible. Actor. Chinatown might be the greatest film ever written. Uh yeah, you really were hooked on the plot with that one. It was it was done really well. Amazing. Amazing film. You've got to go see that one. Uh, well, obviously, while well, we're on those absolute classic Citizen Kane.
0: I watched, uh, what was it, 310 to that Yuma. Was, that was one I watched. And? Yeah, it was good. It's a okay. West Western where Christian Bale is trying to get... Uh, so they've caught Russell Crowe's character, who's this outlaw, mm. and he's trying to prove to his son, like, I I'm, I'm, can do things because his son thinks he's pathetic. And so he takes him and he has to get him on this train, the 310 to Yuma. And yeah, it's a, it was a great film. Mm-hmm. I was really drawn mm-hmm. into it the whole way. That sounds pretty good, actually.
1: It's a good one. Usually ones with like a, a, quite, a quite simple storyline. Those are usually... It's just because it just gives your brain something to focus on. you like, bam, there you go. This is the other thing. Look, the reason Star Wars doesn't hit is because it is a watered down version of Dune and Dune, I think, is as a book, not the movie. The movie was just kind of like watching a really fancy screensaver. It was great in its own way, but the book, something else that kind of hits something deeper about society. This is the whole thing, right? Like, I honestly think every film that really sticks out makes a very deep, poignant piece of social commentary and I think that every film made in the last 10 years has been completely stripped of that nothing
0: mm. I'm it's trying to it's think making the social it's making a point of, it's, it's it's saying something about society but it's not deep at all no it's not nuanced it's not no sort of so the complexities of it and it's a very sort of they make it very black and white and it feels like you're just being told how to think and it's not nice
1: no, no, no uh, mastery of like layering it into a story, and that's the whole thing as well. It's just kind of like with all of these films, it's it's something that hits you where you subconsciously thought, yeah, I kind of thought of the world like that, but I never thought about it before, and this movie kind of opened mm. my eyes to it. That
0: is a good film. I watched one that's I think it was number two on that IMDb list, uh, Raging Bull, and it's a Scorsese film. Robert De Niro plays a boxer. It's based on a real boxer from the 50s, I think. And he's sort of, he's an alcoholic. He's just not a nice person outside of the ring. And it sort of just kind of depicts his life. I really like that one. It's kind of boring. I don't like, I I don't like, I I mean, it's number two. So obviously I might be missing something there, but I don't know. Just didn't like it just was like all right I get it he's he's a tortured boxer cool <laughs> nothing happened like he doesn't it doesn't seem like he redeems himself. I like I like films or just stories in general where there's a, you know there's heroism and someone actually there is a rags to Rich's story or someone and he look he sort of does at the end but it's not I don't know just, not enough just not didn't do it for enough.
1: me didn't do it for me well actually come on Rocky Rocky has that. Yeah, Rocky's, and Rocky's great. Rocky's great. Rocky's great. Rocky's amazing. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it's got, it's got a lot of hype. It's probably not as big as it, as it... It's not as good as it's sort of proclaimed to be because anything that has that much hype is usually overhyped. Mm.
1: I think it was also the fact that Rocky, if you ever listen to Tony Robbins' story about Rocky being made, go look that up on YouTube. Oh, yeah, that's but incredible. Got to be the most inspirational story. Yeah, but that's, that's
0: more of the, an underdog story than the, story than the yeah. actual yeah. film. You yeah. should have made that. Yeah.
1: The movie about making Rocky. That should have been Rocky 2. That would have been great. That, that's, this, is something, this is something that I think now, I'm thinking back at it, so many films from the 70s are incredible. Even the ones that aren't supposed to be like Arnie. Just heaps of blockbusters are mad. Mm. Jaws, Jaws. Even if it's like a dumb film, it's just better. Like there's just, it hits emotional peaks more. I don't know. I think maybe it's just a thing of like, if you had access to cameras, maybe you just had to spend a lot of time getting there as opposed to now where you can
0: just, like us, just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we've also been overexposed to, you know, good, to, to... Beautiful content, aesthetically pleasing content, is not as impressive when we see it on a, particularly an old film. Well, look what's happened in the last five to ten years, man. I'm taking all the predators out of Hollywood, maybe.
1: Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe con- onto maybe, something. Is, maybe yeah.
0: they're onto something. Bring the predators back. Put more pedophiles in there and make good films. <laughs> maybe <laughs> pedophiles make good films. Clearly, <laughs> I mean, Jesus, Michael Jackson it was, it was far out. There could be some truth to it. I don't know. I, I, I like a I, correlation there. Many have heard like some a... stories about the, the Spielbergs and we all know what Weinstein did, so... Yeah. They made good films. What can... <laughs> Roman Polanski? Yeah, p- textbook example. Textbook example? Whereas all the directors now... It's really like, like, novel, like... Aren't fucking kids. Yeah. What happened? Come man? on, put some sacrificial lambs out there. No, stop this. For the sake of cinema. Please, it's like art transcends time.
1: You've like we've got to make some sacrifices here. Like it's just getting too bad. <laughs> it's just—it's like, what about the suffering of the rest of us? The the uh...
0: what do you think of uh, like visual art right now? What's visual art? Like what museum art? And this is something I don't know much about. But every time I go to a museum now, which is not often, but I've recently gone to the I think the, the National Gallery of Victoria, and then I went to the one in Sydney. I forget what it's called. And some of the older art exhibitions there... Look, I'm fully disclosing I know nothing about this kind of art. I have a very NPC opinion. But a lot of it just was kind of boring and dull and didn't Mm. look impressive. And you know the trope about modern art where it's just like, oh, no one's done it before, therefore it's brilliant. Mm. Like, that is there were just there were paintings there where it was just like a dot or like random lines on a canvas and you're like what is this i don't that isn't there sucks. is not aesthetic form to this this is, this is shit there was a, there was a gallery in the um there was a 19th century european art it was a beautiful ostentatious hall it was amazing beautiful portraits just perfectly detailed paintings of Glorious, uh natural landscapes and then you moved into 20th century art and it was I, I just I don't get it I don't think I mean, there was some Picasso works. stuff where I was like "Ah, oh, that's pretty cool but yeah. I don't know there you go the clocks melting clock. melting or whatever but, yeah. but the portraits in the 19th century were way better to me way <laughs> better way better I don't know man that's a very uneducated opinion about art there
1: No, it's true. It's just like, dude, everything after the Renaissance was all downhill. Oh, you're going that far back. I'm calling it. There's that. Like, I'm sick of art not having
0: little cheruby angels at the top of everything. I'm (laughs) done with it. And then I went to the modern, uh, I think it was the Contemporary Museum or something like that in Sydney. And I I was there with Daniel and Max. And we just started... We, every floor we were going into, it was. we just basically made a joke about it. We'd be like, oh, this is an interesting painting, I guess. What's it about? Oh, colonisation. Oh, what about this one? This one's kind of, oh, colonisation. Colonisation, yep. right. And you're yeah, yeah, like, yeah. all right, enough. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it was, was it?
1: Everything.
0: Yeah, basically,
1: yeah. Jesus Christ. What is the obsession? I don't get it. I really don't get the fascination that, like, the, uh, the the bourgeois class has with just this thing of just like, yes, we were evil, weren't we? Is this atoning for it? What the fuck is wrong with you people? you are so masochistic. Why are you so? Like, what happened to your self esteem? As 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 a class of people, what happened? And I think that that's probably what's happening in Hollywood as well. Is this thing yeah. of just like this endless maybe it's all just judgment maybe everything now is judged because this is something else when i was think looking back at films from 80s and 90s it's just like you just that was what was refreshing about top gun as well like it was unapologetically awesome you can't have that anymore you can't just have something that's just positive and overly optimistic no one has the balls to be optimistic anymore I think it's just a society that's endlessly judged.
0: I think when Netflix first came out there was a few great shows there. The first few seasons of House of Cards, I think were great. Mm. And you know, no we know what Jeez, happened there. That was
1: old. Yeah, we know what happened there, but also I forgot how long Netflix has been out for. God damn. But anyway, yeah, it could go.
0: On. Yeah, when would that have been? Maybe ten years ago now, eh? Hey? Maybe ten years. A long time. Yeah, it had that. Game of Thrones was a big one. Uh, Yeah, but again, it was very shit towards the end.
1: Because it was based, no more books anymore. And it actually did get more and more cucky the more time went on. (laughs) And then it got like really cucky towards
0: the end. Yeah, because I remember that first season, that was just a a lot of nudity.
1: Yeah. And... A lot of fantasy Intuitous nudity. Which is cruelty as well. And I was into that because it was like, well, at least it's something else. At least it's something else.
0: No, it really captured you. put you into that world. It was great.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess with the other big ones mm. Look, obviously The Godfather's amazing. Godfather is amazing. And I like The Godfather 3 a lot. Again, because there's there's an underlying theme to all of them. That's why. The Godfather 1 is very much about, like, I didn't choose the life. The life chose me. And then number 2 is kind of like the the eroding effects of revenge. And Godfather 3 is like living with the consequences of this, uh, you know, just uh, hell-bent vengeance and even surviving. Is it worth surviving? Do you like
0: like Scarface?
1: Yep. Love Scarface. It's good. Scarface is great. It's very Very excessive, but then you go back and look at the violence (laughs) and the violence is hilariously fake. And yeah <laughs> which is cool
0: what are they did he do? is it was it some sort of technique to have that just by the end i mean it was just too, it was just too much and that yeah. last scene i'm like oh my god we get it so much violence <laughs> it takes away but that's uh, yeah the the tarantino with the like the just the excessive violence yeah I, mean, I don't know maybe i'm I'm not offended by it, but it's just, what's the point? I don't like. why you need these close-ups. Did you watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Just Mm -hmm. a close-up right at the end of like... I can't remember if it was Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio's character just smacking one of those girls' heads into and just the blood and you could just see everything, all the sound effects. And you're like... Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely evoking um, quite a response in the audience member but I just I, I don't know what's the is it supposed to be so excessive to the point where it becomes funny to the point where it's almost like borderline okay I think yeah. that's what happens. satirical I think just, right
1: I was laughing at the end because it was so over the top
0: right so is it all just like a commentary on the world at large that hey look this is the world we live in there's just so much I think he's more wanky than that I think he's just like I really like B film I think that's why it's okay beautiful. Well, Once Upon well, I a like Time in Hollywood was good Once Upon yeah, a Time that, in Hollywood in fact, was amazing I would say that if, if there was any film that has come out somewhat recently that I really liked it probably that one boom yeah. boom boom that was sick uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I
1: completely agree with in fact I really want to watch the director's cut that's like six hours long I, I, it was just great hanging out with Leo and Brad Pitt <laughs> being friends it was just like yeah
0: yeah I'm cool too yeah. I like Brad Pitt's character in that yeah He's good. He's he's also a very good actor. Good actors have a, a charming, mm. charisma and charm. That's mm. really what it comes down to. Because, mm. of course, Brad Pitt is also very good looking. But Jack Nicholson, he's not conventionally good looking.
1: No. At all. But he makes himself. He makes himself attractive. He's I think. Very. I've asked my girlfriend that, and she's just like, yeah, he is. Mm. He's an attractive man. Mm. Now, a good actor, you're right, has that drawing feature about them. Um, And, you know,
0: if they're conventionally handsome as well, all the better. You're going to watch the Elvis film? Fuck no, but anyway... I've seen some interviews and I just don't even want to watch it. It looks like the actor, to me, in these interviews, is trying way too hard to be that charismatic actor. But he's just trying so hard, I I just... Do you know who it is? No, but I can't believe... I mean, look, maybe it's a bit judgmental of me to not see a film based on, like, a snippet of a few interviews of the main guy... But, uh it's a best uh, it, yeah. film, I mean, like,
1: you know, you've had enough chances Baz, you haven't had anything since Moulin
0: Rouge Yeah, Australia really, uh, just didn't really like Baz after that That was a- ahead of its time in cuckery, you've got to give it its that oh, you will know, yeah, there's that, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad, that was not a good film
1: No, nah. neither yeah, was, uh, neither was anything he's ever, made. I didn't like Moulin Rouge Romeo and Juliet was a cool spin, and honestly, I think it was that DiCaprio saved you film, mate. I don't think it was you. I don't think anything he's ever done. Have I ever told you the story of my friend, my my uh, my girlfriend knows stories in Hollywood because uh, she just hangs around acting circles, and there was this amazing story of Baz Luhrmann in Hollywood, and he was doing like personal training at like 5am for a while with this other actor and one day they were running and Baz was just behind both of them wailing going like Uh. oh no it's all horrible no and then the personal trainer came up and was like come on Baz just another one more lap, you can do it, mate, and all this stuff. And then he broke down and fell on the ground and he thought it was because of physical exhaustion that he was crying. He was just like, what's the matter, mate? It's all right. If you gave if you it to stop your today, it's all good. And he was like, no, it's not that. He was like, well, what's the matter? Why are you crying as a fully grown man on the track? And he goes, I can't tell if I'm a genius
0: or a fraud. And I was like, that is the most <laughs>
1: insane narcissistic thing I've ever heard anyone say. I can't tell if I'm a genius or a fraud. That's what keeps him up apparently it keeps him up at night too that was the other thing. Sometimes he just doesn't leave his house. Doesn't leave his house like they'll just be like Baz let's leave and he's just like no, no I'm not getting out of bed it's like
0: holy shit that man has a complex. Damn you'd almost rather the pedophile hey yes. The pedophile director would just be normal just normal than the to pedophilia. other adults, clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, this
1: guy's more of a prima donna than the actors. I, I don't know, like... I, is he straight? No. There's yeah. no fucking okay. way. Like, even if he has a wife, I don't know. But, they're, like, there I'm calling it now. Even if he claims he's straight, there is no way that man is straight.
0: Baz Luhrmann. You
1: can't be and make, uh, like, six movies in a row that are just Mardi Gras floats.
0: No, look, spouse uh, Catherine.
1: Yeah, no, nah, it's a beard. It's not a chance. <laughs> Catherine Martin, my <laughs> ass. No way. It's not happening.
0: Oh, Bazzy, mate.
1: Baz, who are you fooling? Go up, go up. Sorry, I just need to look at these suits again. Yeah, look at that. That, that, that white tux with the black bow tie. Narrabeen you know,
0: Sports boy. High School. <laughs> he went to a sports high school. <laughs> Damn. Of course, he's got a complex. If he's uh, artistically minded and went to a Northern Beaches sports high school in the, what, the the 70s, (laughs) you're going to be a bit fucked up. Yeah, you're either going to be a fraud or a genius. Maybe, you know what, maybe it's making a lot of sense now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, unbelievable. Look, dude, I really don't think that Baz Luhrmann has anything
0: to offer them. Okay. His mother was a ballroom dance teacher and a dress shop owner. His father ran a petrol station and a movie theater. Okay, so he didn't really he didn't grow up in, in in any wealth. So good on him. He made it. He made his way through. I haven't actually seen Strictly Ballroom.
1: Well, Sonia Kruger is extremely hot in it, and she's extremely hot now. I'm calling it.
0: She's a milf, yeah. She's a milf. Great Gatsby. That one was not bad. I didn't mind that one.
1: I would uh, not see that again if you paid me. But I get with Australia me. Australia was crap. Like, I, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't going to walk out of the film. It wasn't mm. terrible, but it was very... You know what it reminded me of, actually? It reminded me of seeing Power Rangers the movie. It was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, I saw that.
0: <laughs> Power
1: Rangers the movie is a terrible. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know what else actually Annihilation that is another film in the last 10 years that I thought was great but that is because it is based off these films there's this, there's this type of horror that I'm really into at the moment called and guys give me recommendations there's another one that Nicolas Cage came out with called The Color of Space The Color of Outer Space sorry Yeah, Lovecraftian Horrors Lovecraftian Horror is an incredible genre I'm really into it is it Lovecraftian Horror Another word for it is cosmic horror. It was this writer in the 50s that wrote a bunch of books that, obviously I haven't read them, but H- judging from the movies, H-P they're Love, really scary.
0: Lovecraft? You know him? I've heard of him, yeah. Where would you hear him from? Uh, I've just heard... I don't think I've actually read much of his work, but... You've read some of his No, work. I haven't, but I've uh-huh. heard of him. And he's a notable writer. Notable writer? Yeah.
1: And with good reason, I'm telling you, there's something to him. Because you know what he does? This this is a classic cosmic horror storyline, right? Uh, Something from out of space comes to Earth. It slowly expands and poisons the environment around it very subtly. And the people that are in this ever-expanding danger zone become slowly insane and start morphing into the environment in horrific ways. So the underlying premise of Lovecraftian horror that he sums up is that fear is the most primal emotion there is because you look at the most basic organisms on Earth and they will have something that makes them go, and avoid from danger, right? So that's at the core. And his theory was that uh, the, the scariest things are the unknown. Things that are completely, you can't decipher what the fear is and why. So he was always playing with that. And I've got to say, every single Lovecraftian horror film I've ever seen plays with your mind for weeks afterwards. I was so disturbed by one, but I'm, I'm an absolute pussy when it comes to scary films. But I just slept on my couch for like a week.
0: How old just are you?
1: fucked with me. This was like last month. Oh, it was, it was oh. Like, it freaked me out. Damn, bro. Uh, uh, Yeah, it's pathetic. Like my my uh, tolerance to fear week. is so low. A week. A week. You know that house wow. that I was at
0: in, in uh, Lithgow? Yeah. Okay, but that was a scary... You're out basically in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it, it was a shack in the woods. You've got The, the it was bush Leithgow. is your backyard. Bush is the backyard.
1: Lithgow does feel like a haunted Stephen King town at the best of times.
0: Do you he- know that one night you were, left me there? I... <laughs> I got high and the fucking oven, I fucked up the oven or something. And then like, there was a lot of smoke coming from the oven and I was so paranoid that the smoke alarm was going to go off and I was trying everything to stop the smoke. And I was very, very paranoid because the owner lived like just, down the road like just in the next door house that's right? right that's right and i was just panicking in case the smoke alarm went off oh, but alone <laughs> lone but then it high didn't. in the woods yeah no my friend tim came i think and okay. then we walked half an hour to mcdonald's wow
1: you did that trek
0: yeah, yeah, yeah long trek you didn't have a car no, no. We walked I think it was more than half an hour. It would have been more than half an hour. We walked like a long time to McDonald's. I mean it's got town is a long way. Yeah, by the time we got there and got back, we were like this was just not worth it at all. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a trek. So there
1: was that like what did you get just a Sunday?
0: No, I can't even remember now. You got now. like the works. But uh, it just wasn't like the, the it had all worn off by then. <laughs>
1: Of the magic wore off or the uh, nicety of eating McDonald's? Well, both. So you were just sober by the time you got back? Pretty
0: much. I think we ate the McDonald's there. And then I think I walked... Yeah. And then we walked back and we were like, oof.
1: You know what, though?
0: This is the thing that I really
1: liked about living in Lithgow. Yes. I feel like everything... Everything when I was in lifto, I felt more alive. I can remember more days
0: vividly. Well, when you I was in you basically lived like a not a caveman, then, I mean, but you were really uh, committed and disciplined to what you were doing. I Remember, you wake waking up at a certain time every day. Well, well, actually, that's that's not hard to do. But look, then you'd have like this specific diet you were on all the time, and you you didn't have any internet access, or even you had your little. Th- Brick phone mm. and to get your videos out, you'd have to drive to the McDonald's, use their Wi-Fi, and send it to your editor. Mm. Mm. Really live in that um secluded rider's no, no, life. No, no,
1: no, to get to the editor, to get to the editor, he would have to come up on train and I would give him like a little zip, and he would give me the zip Jesus. from before and we would trade it and he'd get on the train and go back down.
0: You're and just one step away from Baz Luhrmann, Jordan. It was insane now. It was. It was, <laughs> it really, it was nuts. You really up. made that hard for your team I day. really did. <laughs> you know what else though that was really strange? Are you a fraud like, or a they, genie? They were pissed off it. Yeah. Am not fraud
1: or a genie, I don't know. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. People always come up to me and say like the Lithgow videos you did were the funniest videos you had. And it makes a lot of sense when you have... Nothing, nothing else. you would All you can think else. about yeah. is that one skip
0: for a week. We couldn't do anything else. Uh, you didn't even have a. No, you had a TV. I had a TV, I and that you, was cool in itself. That was lunch, bad. You ate a lettuce sandwich. Yep. No, not the sandwich. Yeah, you go too far. Lettuce. Yeah. You know what was it? You just bread and lettuce. Yeah. And then I just ate the bread by itself <laughs> because I couldn't put <laughs> <eat> them together. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you just had a bowl of vegetables in the morning you go out in the sun that's where you would ride I mean no, I'm, I'm actually very I admired you a lot that week and it actually pushed me put me in line a little bit I was like holy shit I'm a piece of shit <laughs> and then <laughs> you put the best thing was the bread and the lettuce for lunch Oh, and <laughs> I, I wish that I could go back to it I hate that Do
1: it. things like damn. well this is the whole buy a thing. house
0: aren't you looking for a house go buy a house in Lithgow some some out out there place.
1: My, my staff would crack the shits. They, they really would now. This is the problem. Like there was this little Move piece of freedom. And my girlfriend, and I remember it, is the only time we've ever had any fights in, in the well, team. She, she was in America, wasn't she? Yeah, and then she came back and she was yelling at me saying, why do you live two and a half hours away? And I couldn't explain to her why I was living two and a half hours away. And I get her... Anger, but I was also angry at her that she made me go back to modernity. She she sucked me back into the matrix. She really did. I was much happier being a unique hermit. It was actually the best. And you know what else as well? I'm really glad, even though I was I cursed it while she was there, just being like girlfriends overseas, and you know, I can't slam any push while I'm here. But like, I am glad actually that we stayed together. Not just because like she she's just you know, she the love of my life. But also, uh, I'm, I'm glad that we, st- we stayed together from that because it did, it made me a eunuch. It made me a eunuch hermit for a year. Can you imagine yep. how productive you would be if you uh, had no sex drive and no internet? What a life. I experienced it you and let me that. just you tell you, it was, it was the best year of my life. It really was. I can't... Was it just a year? You
0: were there for a while. When?
1: Maybe a year and a half. I don't know. Like a little bit over. Impressive,
0: man. It was, it, was, it was admirable. Um, I think we'll finish this podcast off with that question that I referenced uh, earlier on. And so this was a question about <clears throat> the recent election in the Philippines. And uh, oh, it's actually on the table there. Do you mind getting that? So, so, if you'd Neil like to, yep, yes. yes, if you'd like to uh, send in a question or a topic or a shout out, NeilColhatka.com <laughs> slash podcast. All goes to charity. So, hi, Neil and Geordie. Been to both of your shows and had an amazing time. Good on you. My question involves the Philippines' recent election. From all of my knowledge and resources I've read regarding the president Lex family, it's far from good. Basically, a dictator who imposed a brutal martial law and. That lasted many years while Marcos Sr. and Imelda Lo- Imied. Oh, well I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to pronounce that one, but Marcos Sr. and co robbed the country blind before being exiled to Hawaii. My question is, how can a man with such a dark history win a landslide election with his voters calling those times the golden years? I'm starting to think maybe I'm wrong and they are right. If you could unpack this for me so I can have some clarity and closure. Much love, James. Now, both of us, look, this is not... Clearly, not our uh, area of expertise. If anything, it's closer to your area of expertise. But with it not being, you know, state, New South Wales, rural politics, yeah, you're getting a little bit out of, of Jordan's dis- 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 <laughs> area of expertise there. So, this uh, b- Bong yeah, Bong, I think of about
1: people's it was.
0: He just got elected as the president of the Philippines, and his father was a dictator for 20 years, and his tenure ended in the 80s when there was an uprising and he was very corrupt. Now I've just done a bit of cursory reading on it it's very hard to find the the correct objective opinion because many people are saying it's western media that is saying that previous dictator was corrupt because there are interests there and then there are people also saying well you know because comparatively it's not like a person, a, a a public figure who's corrupt and part of a dynasty is actually that bad compared to what the usual presidents are in the Philippines. So there's that factor. But why do people vote for seemingly corrupt figures? What do you think, Jordan? I I read one article as well that said it was authoritarian nostalgia, (laughs) which is a great term. Uh, But it was uh, basically things, even though the material conditions for many people in, in societies are bad under maybe authoritarianism and there's less you know, basic freedoms there's a sense of order and if there's a revolution or some sort of large political uprising a lot of things that are promised don't actually get delivered and as a result there's even more dismay among the populace and they actually want to go back to what things were hence authoritarian nostalgia
1: there's so. definitely an element of that there's, that's true but this is what I will say. Every time you hear about a quote unquote dictator, you have to be very, very careful because a lot of the time, that dictator in in quotes uh, actually was. This is what I, this is what you learn when you get too deep into politics. You get taught, and there are very uh, deep seated reasons for this that actually go back to that podcast we did on Venus that, you know, dictators, authoritarianism, terrible, oh, who wants that? You can't vote them out. It's, you don't get your say in a democracy, all this kind of stuff. There is a very deliberate conditioning that has uh, filtered into the West to make us believe in a system of parliaments and that a quote-unquote dictator cannot bring about good outcomes for people. And even if they do bring out good outcomes... Well, you don't want them because just in case the next dictator might be awful. So you have to be careful. You can't ever have an author- authoritarian leader.
0: So, do you know? Do, are you? Is this is this the case for every dictator that's presented poorly in in Western media, uh, or is it just common? Because well, it's, it's it's. I mean, it's hard for me to gauge as well. I I can't trust everything I read about his father, but it looks like it's father was quite corrupt
1: yes well look this is the thing I would expect somebody who has unbridled power to be corrupt right is it... that is not the be all and end all of criteria when I look at someone because it's like okay they might be corrupt they might have a mega yacht uh, because they've got their, their hands on the treasury however worse standard of living going up under them was there law and order under them? I'll give you a good example. When you go to Turkmenistan, all the foreign media that you hear, like John Oliver's story on him, was just atrocious, and it was all the talking points that the CIA would obviously want, as John Oliver always is. John Oliver, like everybody's always as well. How could you hate John Oliver? It's because John Oliver is just, you know, John Stewart, if the fucking CIA wanted someone there, just endlessly shits on all these global leaders that they obviously hate for their own American imperialist reasons, right? But one of them was leader of Turkmenistan, right? You you go to Gurgulay. I was there. You endlessly hear about how awful he was. You go to the society and you can just tell that the average person there is enjoying their life a lot more than most Western societies to begin with. And then you go look at quality of life over the last 10, 20 years that they've... Oh, yeah, well, ever since they've not been Soviet, I guess it'd be closer to 40 years from now. Always on the up. Every year. Every year it's improving. You go there, the average poor person, if they don't have anywhere to go, there is housing for them. Cleaners are given brand new apartments to live in. As long as you're a public servant, you are given an apartment to live in. You've got uh, food. You've got, until very recently free petrol. Now it's like, ooh, shock horror, something tiny, like 30 cents a litre or something like that. You know, they say that there's all these other problems with corruption and whatnot. The standard of living for a poor country that has one resource is incredible. It's the same thing when you go to see Gaddafi. Uh people that they, they, they make this whole thing about, you know, there was this huge uprising and things like that. It was obviously orchestrated by the US. It really depends, I think, at the end of the day, normally if there is a dictator, first off, you need to understand that if there is a dictator, a dictator is not in power by themselves in a vacuum. They still have a political class. They still have people that they and, and interest groups that they need to uh, curtail. It is just the reality of being in a body politic. Same thing as emperors of old, kings of old, there were still interest groups that they needed to balance. Um, and I think that really most of the time there's going to be things that people always point to and say, what about this? But there is a reason that you know about that when it comes to a dictator. And it is because the press obviously owned by very Machiavellian pieces are trying to get you to focus on like these two blunders of their, uh, reign. When, if you look at the overall picture of it, a lot of the time they're moving the country, in an incredible (laughs) direction, as long as they are not installed by the CIA. And then you go look at dictators like your Pinochets and, um, uh, Jesus, I've gone blank now, whatever the Argentinian guy was, and, and the one in Brazil as well, and then you look at the standard of living in these people and it was the same, it was the exact opposite. It was because those dictators were there to install the trade deals and the, essentially like a beacon for what they wanted to see what America would look like if they instilled all of these very scary, you know, no regulation whatsoever, uh, you know, no no counterbalances whatsoever. Just just put that on economic steroids, the system that they were bringing into the US, to see what it would look like on a country.
0: So do you think so, that these you know the, F- the filipino populace isn't stupid and they actually do believe this person is the best choice that they had and I'm- it's and it's western media that may be, uh not not too fond of this, uh, this person because he isn't playing ball with some of the free trade agreements or something like that or do you do you, do you, do you think this is the rule full stop or do you think there are situations where they are also could be dictators that maybe actually are more protectionist or, or are doing things maybe that are good for the country, but are still also corrupt and, and to 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 the degree where it's seen as extreme, extraordinarily unethical and immoral. Yeah.
1: I'm sure there's examples of that in the few in, in the past, and I'm sure that I'm sure there is. But I'm saying that the general rule that I have observed is. If a dictator comes to power, they did not come to power in a vacuum. They came to power for one of several reasons. And one of them is that they're... It's, you know, the the superpower of the day installing them as a puppet, and they're always going to be a terrible dictator because it is all the authoritarianism with none of the concern of the national interest. Whereas normally, if you get a dictator that rises on popular support, they're there because the people really... And this is the whole thing that you find. You see people short circuit when they try and figure this out because of the conditioning of our civilization, right? But they were appointed by the people. That has happened in the past with dictators. They have risen on popular support, and then even if people accept that, then they say, oh, but they became very corrupt when they were in power. And, you know, they, they put all these... There was, like, brutal murders and things. Always forgetting that this happens in every society regardless. But they always just point this out about dictatorships. I think that there is a very deliberate reason for that. Um, and so, yeah, when it comes to this Filipino guy, I know absolutely nothing about him. He could be one of these examples of somebody that wasn't... You know, like, he, he was he was risen on power by his own accord and became, you know, just extremely cruel. I don't know. Maybe that might have happened. I've got no idea. But I would say that there is a general rule that you should note when people always say, like, oh, Russians really wanted to go back to Stalin or Chinese people, uh, you know, they they like Mao, but it must be because they're brainwashed. Maybe. Or maybe it was just that they actually got them out of a rut that was... Deplorable beforehand
0: it's also i'm I'm sure that the just the day to day material conditions in developing countries are something that many westerners would sort of s- scoff at but a- as a result they would have a much higher tolerance for maybe things like extrajudicial murders and and things that would maybe be seen as a bit more normal and so then they wouldn't yeah. think it as such a shock uh there, there is an article here this is western media, so uh yeah. See, the it Washington talks about. Post, of course, yeah. Like, I wonder
1: what the Washington Post well, is. But yeah. Okay. See, it's this a, is the whole thing. It, I'm if, gonna say this. if someone's, if any, if there is anything, this is a very good rule to go by. The Washington Post or the New York Times says something about a foreign leader, believe the opposite. But anyway, go on.
0: Well, basically, they're saying things like, okay, the inheritance of political capital. Why would voters use their newly acquired democratic rights to vote for parties with roots in undemocratic and often brutal regimes, and why, in the context of democracy, do voters so often choose leaders on the basis of? Heredity, the most monarchical of principles, scholars such as myself, who have studied the first question have found that parties with ties to the old regime often benefit from authoritarian inheritance. Uh, so business ties, organizational muscle, there's just a lot of capital that they've that they're inheriting there, and they have all the connections. And the family ties, so you know, many voters, it seems, have come to view them. Marcos dictatorship is kind of golden age. So the younger Marcos as the late dictator's son is uniquely well qualified to recreate its supposed achievements. Similar calculations probably played a role in the election of children of former dictators in recent decades in countries like Panama, South Korea, Bangladesh, and, and Kenya. So, I mean, I'm sure if he's, if he's researched as well, he's probably seen this article. This is an example,
1: (laughs) right? Like with South Korea, South Korea is a very, very special, unique example because, South Korea was backed by the US government and people always say, look at how far it developed in comparison to North Korea. It must be because of the system. But it was like, no, it was because the US was deliberately sanctioning North Korea and giving South Korea all of this cheap credit for them to do things, but also gave the dictator permission because they wanted to counterbalance South North Korea, gave South Korea the permission to create economic conditions that would actually allow it to flourish whereas in a lot of other asian countries they just wanted it to be a sweatshop for their purposes so they deliberately crippled the economy by installing a dictator or like you have things like cambodia and stuff where they just went no fuck you and then they went all right well we'll just bomb you into the stone age so Um,
0: it would there would also be i I would guess a factor of i think something talking about in the australian election podcast which is how many voters in any democratic society make truly rational, objective decisions about who they vote for? It's about the feeling that that candidate instills within the voter. So there's the obviously thing. some sort of think... feeling. There's this, this maybe this golden age thing. It's, it seems a bit like a Trumpian sort of make America great again. Let's return to these times when things maybe are comparatively better compared to what they are now. Uh, that seems to be a, th- a trend in, in almost any time throughout history where people are always fond of the old days. I mean, we just made a whole podcast. Yeah, about we, just did, we just did. But look, look I element, don't know.
1: There's definitely an element of that. But I think, honestly, especially when you go to third world countries, I think people are actually more in tune. And I'm not even just saying this as some like, go yeah, check your privilege white first world. I think that in developed worlds, developing nations... They actually are more in tune with what their governments do because, you know, like survival is so much more day to day for them. Um, it's it's so much more apparent to them if like a bad dictatorship comes in or a good dictatorship comes in because their basic standard of living actually like it really matters to those people. I mean, it's the same thing now, right? Like the reason that people were able to see through it this election cycle is because you saw a government that was paralyzed that was there to do nothing, which is the liberals, which is to completely squander it. It's amazing. Like you probably noticed this within the past month. You've just been like, Oh my God, governments can actually do things like they haven't even gone to parliamentary sittings. And it's just like, bam, make sure that China doesn't build any more bases. Uh, okay. Like there's a gas supply. All right. So we're just going to start reserving gas. Bam. Like all of these decisions are just made when you actually have a government that wants to make decisions. Right. Um, that's an element of it definitely that there's like a nostalgia to it but i also think there is a thing of people as neil was saying they're they're much more tolerant of you know extra legal murders and just see it as a day-to-day thing of governing in a country that has very little resources and i think that another thing and also in a country where you just want action to be taken because there's mobs and things that actually rule in third world countries um But, yeah, I also think that it is just like what we saw with the bushfires and things. When you realise that the government is paralysed and isn't doing anything, you actually realise, oh, the government isn't doing anything. And then when you see a government that is doing things, it's very apparent, and that happens in times of crisis, which is what third-world countries are pretty much in their entire existence. They're just always in crisis. So when you have a government in that's competent and can do things, and this is actually an observation that this political scientist made where he was saying that, yeah, look, parliaments might be good, when you get to a point like Australia's at. But when you are a country like the Philippines, you do need somebody there that can make life or death situations, that can actually implement things. You need somebody that's extremely strong with a mighty hand that can be saying like, no, that bridge is getting built there. And, oh, okay, we've got a drug problem. All right, well, extrajudicial murders to just, you know, citizens can start killing drug dealers and things. And it's like, yeah, that might not be just, but the situation that the people were in before that was really desperate. And so you need, as Jordan so, Peterson would say, a dictator to create murder. Okay, mortar.
0: so it's not fair, or it's not never going to be accurate when we look at it through the morality of a Western lens. It's
1: never going to be accurate because it's just, you don't know what it's like when 80% of the population lives in slums, you know? Like, the desperation there is going to be so much higher hmm. than it is in one of our countries.
0: Wow. Right. Well, we got what? We went full circle. We got woke there at the end.
1: Yeah, well, th- we'll that's the right it. type of woke, I think. Okay. <laughs> it's just kind of like, dude, like, don't sit there and say, like, oh, this dictator doesn't care about gay rights and shit like that. It's just like, Dude, okay, you go fucking live in the slums in Bangladesh for a year, then come back, you know? Like, just have some fucking perspective.
0: <laughs> well, that wasn't directed personally to the person, to, to you. Uh, no, not I you, but like,
1: I, 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 it sounds like you're actually curious about the point, but this is, I'm sorry, like, when you get more and more into politics, you realize, oh, actually, maybe the worst system is a system like ours. Not ours, actually, the US system is terrible terrible that has so many checks and balances on it it's just like okay there's no parliamentary party discipline so you know even when 99 of the democrats want something passed one can just stand up and be like no actually i don't want this multi-trillion dollar bill passed i'm not voting for it and then bam it's dead uh you even if that does happen you can still just get up and just filibuster forever so it can't pass uh it's it's just like that system is designed To do nothing. Designed. That is the worst system imaginable. Like, I'm sorry, this is something... And it's also part of the propaganda is to just be bred in your mind that the government's the enemy and has to do things, but it's just like on a societal level, whether you like it or not, someone has to be making decisions. The worst system is a system of paralysis because it benefits a certain small elite class of oligarchs That's why they're always harping back to the Renaissance. That's why they're always harping back to Rome, which is what my new show's about. They're always harping back to these points where it's just like this permanent paralysis of aristocrats sitting around bickering about superficial issues like what freedom and justice is, you know? Like, that is a terrible system. And so I think that it just angers me a lot when you see, like, one of these third-world countries that finally gets a dictator, finally makes some decisions, finally makes some moves, and then everyone sits there and it's just like, yeah, but uh, human rights violations... I don't know, gay people, Jesus, like, what, is, what has happened to our brains? Sorry.
0: That's a fair, it was a very fair point.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that is, as Neil said, that is the point that I actually think I am very woke on. <laughs> I'm extremely woke when it comes to being very sympathetic to elite families in power.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, so we can't judge another country through the lens of our morality. When it comes to their political... We can't we can't try to comprehend certain political decisions we can still make an objective judge of morality i think but um but this the is the material conditions of a morality, certain like
1: morality changes very quickly when you start looking at it from the lens of a society as opposed to a person you know like if a single person murders someone else i think you should judge that very differently to someone just being like I'm going to just murder this gang of people so
0: or something. You know, is it a utilitarian argument where okay, you can murder a, a few, you, you can you can legalise extrajudicial murders of drug dealers because the overall benefit to society is it's a net positive then because the drugs are just so destructive for that community and you don't have the luxury to. Have that kind of more western ethic of the you know d- dignity of every individual human life, and instead you have to look at what is better for the collective is that yes kind I of d- the argument that- it's kind
1: of the argument, and uh, I do just put the asterisks on it if it does provide a net benefit for society um like with the with the drug dealer murder one because it's the thing is those drugs are I'm guessing, because again, I don't know anything about the Philippines, but I'm guessing that it's like Mexico, where these drug cartels, uh, you know, fund extremely horrific murders all across Mexico at, at a, you know intolerably high level. And the money is so big that it goes all the way to the government. And you saw this happen in Mexico when uh, the Mexican people started coming together and creating these sort of um, anti vigil groups. And they were doing incredible jobs at protecting their communities and pushing these cartels out of their community. And then all of a sudden the government came in and said, all right, actually, we're going to start giving these people like licenses. And what they started doing then was just starting fucking with the leadership of it and making them ineffective on purpose. And it was because cartel money is so big in Mexico that it goes all the way to the president And they just wanted the cartels to keep operating. And so they just completely muted this grassroots movement that happened. I don't know what happened in the Philippines, but if it's the opposite of that, and then they got these people, maybe they just went nuts and killed a few people. and like, yeah, that's a tragedy. But at the same time, if if these are cartels that are controlling society, it's probably not a good thing to have controlling a country. It's gangs.
0: Yeah, and I know that was the previous president, and I don't know what the current... Oh, yeah, but I'm not. I'm just saying anyway. that, you know, these look,
1: things, when you people always say to him, like, he's he's putting in all these laws to kill drug dealers and things. I think it's just like, I've never looked into it, but I, I would imagine that if I did look into it, the reality would be a lot more complex than the single line that you get fed in the press.
0: Yeah, I'm sure everything's a lot more complex. But, uh, all right, th- uh, appreciate that. Uh, hopefully that helped answer your question there. I know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not something... I'm definitely i definitely not something I'm particularly well versed in and
1: yeah I don't as think Jordan it's a says
0: a, 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 I'm not going to too much to about yeah all. specifics no, of the Philippines about either about it, so I just
1: a general framework to look at everything is always I'm I'm just I just want people to know that general frame of how to look at these ideas of you know a dictatorship and things and just know that you have been Trained to think about them in a certain way for, you know, nefarious reasons.
0: Think critically about the way you think. I I think that's a... Yeah, yeah. question everything, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a simple adage to end on. All right. uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Come see us live. Comedyuntamed.com for me. com for Jordan. And we'll see you next time. See you, guys.